<laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are now live. I am so excited. I say that every single podcast, but today I am very excited because on today's show, I have two phenomenal people that I have the privilege and the uh, pleasure of meeting at the Me Show Film Festival back in July in Los Angeles. Well, first of all, welcome to a conversation with I'm your humble host, Floyd Marshall Jr. And today I am joined by the incomparable power couple, Ronnie and Caleb Davis. Now, ladies and gentlemen, they have created a, a couple of phenomenal web series that ended up going to network television, the Tough Love series, Pillow Talk. And they also have this phenomenal Instagram page, which was absolutely amazing, called Black Love Exists. And, you know, I'm just so excited to talk to them because so many times people ask the question, how? How do I go from, I'll just say it, obscurity, YouTube to network television? And today I have this phenomenal husband and wife duo who are going to give us some real insight on how that's done from, from the beginning, inception, until the present. And, and I'm telling you, 30 million views on YouTube, BET, Black and Sexy TV, TV One, Daytime Emmy nominated. I mean, the list goes on. Married, which is, we got to talk about that because <laughs> you know, the fact that you guys have accomplished so much and, and you know, you're still in love, uh, that's a good thing. So Ronnie and Caleb, welcome to the show. Thank yes, you. That yes. was an incredible intro. Thanks, Floyd. Thank you, Floyd. <laughs> we definitely appreciate the love. Thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah, we're, it's our pleasure to be here. Yes. Oh, and yes. Yeah, yeah. Again, I was so excited because let's, let's go back to uh, July. And I had the um, the good fortune to be sitting in on a panel that the two of you were a part of. And the thing about film panels is you learn so much. And as I was sitting there listening to your story, I was very intrigued. And I said to myself, oh, wow, I really, I really have to talk to them. So when the panel was over, I went outside, looked you guys up, and I'm, I'm messaging you, you know, I'm messaging Ronnie on Instagram. And I turn around and she's standing right there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm messaging you right now. You know, yes, so, so, that was yeah, so that was, that was, that was really, that was really crazy. Now, the question that I normally like to ask my guests is how did you get started in the film business? But I want to go back a little bit further than that because I understand that the two of you met at the University of Riverside, California. But I wanna mm -hmm. go back a little bit further than that in high school. What was the thing that made the both of you say, film is something that we want to do? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. That's where it really clicked for me. My mom, she works over at City Hall in Torrance, California, and it was a, a TCTV, Torrance Community Television, open house. Uh, we didn't live in Torrance, but, you know, since she worked there, she always invited us to events. And at this open house, it was my first insight, my first experience to see uh, um, like a studio, cameras, lights. They even had their news channel. So they had a news desk. They took us around the corner and they showed us all these different editing bays. And in my mind, I'm like, whoa, this is how this is how television is created. This is how television is made. Like, I really want to get into this. So literally for me, it was a big bright light. Um, and, and at that moment, I, it was, I was on a quest. Anybody that I see on, along this quest, I'm talking to them. Anybody that you know, I want to figure out how to get into this industry. I'm I'm going to make a connection. So I found the facilitator of the event and he said, hey, if you want to be a producer for a TCTV, be my guest. Um, come next Saturday and we have these these week um, programs so you can be a producer. You can learn how to create a television by teaching you the camera basics, teaching you editing. And then we distribute it to the community on the television channel. So I spent my early days in high school mm -hmm. there in TCTV, in the, in the Torrance Community Television Center. And it was an excuse for me to stay out late because <laughs> I'll get out of school, 
at around like two or three. I invite my friends over. Hey, come to the studio. You know, let's film some stuff. Let's go to the editing bay. And I could be out to like eight or nine o'clock at night. I just tell my parents, I'm at the studio creating content. So that was some of my early days of independence. And I, I literally started building on top of that. Okay. Yeah, and for me, it was, um, I didn't know specifically that I wanted to be in film when I was in high school. I did always love film and I had, I just, I had a passion for it. Initially, um, early in early high school, I tried to pursue acting. You know, I did drama actually in junior high school. And then I remember auditioning for a really um, popular school out here called Hamilton High, where a lot of actors came out of. And I, um, for some reason, I don't know why I auditioned as OG Bobby Johnson from um, the movie South Central. <laughs> and so that was a random selection. I really love the movie South Central. So I don't know why I auditioned as that, but I did not get into the school based on that audition. <laughs> but I did know in my early years that I wanted to write. And so entering college, I entered as a creative writing major. Okay. Okay. So you, you guys get to college. How did you meet? Because uh, Caleb, you were already there. Ronnie, you were just coming in. So, so how did you guys meet? How did that happen? It was, um, it was very interesting. Let's say, let's say at least. Um, I, me and me and my fellas, we went around <laughs> praying on the young girls okay. and we, we prayed hard. Okay. And when he says pray, he doesn't mean he just means on our diamond dollars. So we had these things called bear bucks, which are your your college dollars to spend on treats and meals and things. And we knew that freshman, you get all this extra bear bucks. We know that it's a little surplus. You have extra bear bucks. So we like, hey, we went to all the young girls on young freshmen, like, hey, since ours ran out, we, we we don't have as many bear bucks as the freshmen. So I go to Ronnie's table where it's her and her friends. And again, it, it always worked. <laughs> it always worked. But except for this one day, it didn't work. Okay. So I was like, hey, can I get some bear bucks for Panda Express? And, <laughs> and I she, was like, no, why would I get you <laughs> <my bear bucks?"> <laughs> <laughs> He was like, it's bear bucks, making it seem like it's not really money. And I was right. like, uh, use those why would i use them on you right <laughs> and so from there he he was like we went back and forth a little <laughs> bit he tried to convince me and after that he reached out to my friend like hey what's her number I re i'm really interested in her okay <laughs> so okay from there we just like talking and and it just grew from there <laughs> you know what it's so it's so yeah. funny it's this gentleman that i listen to i quote him so much a gentleman by the name of Ed Milet. And he says, things don't happen to oh, you. Yeah. They happen for you. I love Ed Milet. He, he says, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. So the fact that you happen to run out of bandit bucks at that moment <laughs> puts right. you in, in, a, in a position where you would meet your future wife, which is which is absolutely crazy. So that 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 is amazing. Um, yeah. So you guys go through college. And uh, let's fast forward to graduation. I'm curious, why did you guys decide to move to New York out of film school? Um, because oftentimes the reverse is true. People leave everywhere else to try to come to, you know, California. What what was the decision that made you guys say once you graduated um, film school that you were going to go to New York? Yeah, I, I <laughs> well, think. I would I always say for us, we needed that push. It's still very difficult just because you're born and raised here. It's still very difficult to break mm -hmm. in in Los Angeles. And so for us, we found that we well, we had already experienced. I went and studied abroad in Italy for a while okay. and he he uh, got his film degree, his master's in film in London. And so we found that going to new locations pushed us further and so we were like we need a change of scenery we all we both had always dreamed of living in new york mm -hmm. and 
So it was, we decided let's move there. Let's get that push. Let's just hit the ground running. We were, we were like separating ourselves from family, from close friends and just fully locking in, in a new place. And so it was definitely the push we needed. Okay. Okay. Caleb, please. Yeah. Before, right before we graduated, I graduated 10, she graduated 11. Mm -hmm. And right before we graduated, we were doing a lot of internships. She was actually like the internship queen. Okay. And so uh, she interned at, at Fox News. We both interned at KTLA together. She interned at D. Bonaventura, a film company, uh, a film production company. Um, I interned at Warner Brothers post-production television division. So I, so we had inside, we had uh, inside knowledge of the people that were within the company. So mm -hmm. I saw an advantage of like, oh, well, I saw locals being complacent. I see that people would go into said Warner Brothers, said KTLA and do their job, which is, which is totally fine. It's probably their dream job, mm -hmm. but I never saw anything bigger than that, broader than that. I saw like the creatives would come into town and then give the creative idea. And then the local production team would, would make it happen. So I'm like, you know, what if I get out of this realm and, go to London. And when I went to London, it broadened my film horizon. It broadened my cinema palette. Mm -hmm. I was able to see cinema on a whole nother level, not just American movies, but British films, Bollywood, Nollywood, uh, 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 French New Wave films. Like I was able to have a robust palette. So then learning from other people, other countries, I was able to shape my mind differently than just staying in America or even staying in Los Angeles. I felt it would have kept me, you know, very complacent. Okay. So, so you guys didn't move to New York straight out of college. There was some in some time in between where you guys yes. were basically building your, Oh, okay. Okay. That, so, so that's awesome. It was, it was two years in London. It okay. was, it was about, uh, about six months in, in Italy for Ronnie. And six months in Atlanta where I was interning at CNN. Oh wow! And then there we went. We decided to make the move and, to New York, and then and then from New York. So so Ronnie, she wanted to elevate, so she applied to the new school, and she got in for her master's program in media management. And that's where I'm like, I want to go into New York on the ground floor. Hmm. Like, I I think the very first job I applied for was the crafty department uh, for a production. So I, I wanted to just, you know, just take, get in there. Just get in there. And I got denied. They was like, they looked, they looked at my resume, they're like, you're you're too, you're over, you're overqualified for the crafty department. We, <laughs> I can, can't give you the job. I'm like, no, I want the job. I just want to be on set. <laughs> I, I just want to be on set. So he became a production assistant on set and was just hopping around from production to production. Okay. While I was in school getting my master's. Wow. So you know what? I had another question, but I want to touch on what you just said really quickly. Now, you have your master's by this time, correct? Caleb, you have your master's by this time. Yes, yes. Okay. But you said to yourself, by hook or crook, I'm getting in. And you end up going for I, the, the, the lowest level job on the totem pole. And you end up becoming a production assistant. Yep. What, where did you get that mindset from? Because normally people with, let's just call it your pedigree at that time, you know, you've studied in London, you, you've, you've, you've worked with all of these international people, but you say to yourself, doesn't matter. I know where I need to, I know what I need to do in order to get in. And I'm going to do that. Where did that mindset come from? Yeah, that mindset, it, it was just very hungry. Before we moved officially to New York, we did three months in Atlanta or, or she was in Atlanta for CNN, but I was stopping through between London and Atlanta for three months. And the the piece of paper, the, the knowledge, the information I got, valuable. The piece of paper in front of people doesn't really mm -hmm. do much. It, mm. it, 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 except sometimes it intimidates people because there are a lot of people in the industry that don't even graduate from high school. 
that there are some people that just they're just so artistic they're they're just so talented that they you know they rose from out of nothing and became something great mm -hmm. so when i would put ba ba from university of california riverside masters at that time i i worked for um the the uh, Olymp olympics broadcast in london for 2012 olympics the resume was great but for those people who are superior that's been in the industry industry for 15 20 years i'm like can you work? Yeah. <laughs> they they want to know, can you work? <laughs> yeah. And also it's just like this industry, a lot of the, what we want to do as far or what we're doing as filmmakers, there is no like standard application. You can't go to Indeed and say, I want to be a director. There's no listings for director. It's all a work your way in network, who, you know, type of industry. And so even though we had the degrees, we had the knowledge, um, but we still knew that we had to work our way up. So basically, it was a relationship building type of thing. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. Relationship and learning on the job experience, because even though, you know, you, you can learn uh, in school, the classroom setting is totally different from the set. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, people don't understand that. Um, I'll just give an example. When I was in the Navy and I had just gotten out of uh, helicopter school and I go to my squadron in San Diego, I was stationed in San Diego for three and a half years. And when I got to my squadron and, you know, I get assigned to the, the detachment and I'm doing all of this school stuff and the people that had been in the fleet for years, they were like, well, what, are you, what, what, what are you doing? Because it turns out that school knowledge is very different from actual on the job knowledge. There may be some things that you did in school that it's, it's not going to fly in the real world because we have to get the helicopter in the air. So if you're on a set, they're like, yo, we need to get this production going. So you coming in here, coloring by the numbers, ain't, ain't cutting it. So that, that's, that's very interesting. But let's fast forward. So you, 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 you do the PA. Mm -hmm. And also um, just quickly, you mentioned helicopter. Sure. There is one going around. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned helicopter. So really? we keep trying to mute. I don't know if you can hear it on your end. You know what? I actually hear sirens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, Siren's what, helicopter. But... Is, is something is something going on in Los Angeles at the moment? I don't, I don't know. Curious, I'm like, <laughs> what is really happening? Are all our, the doors our, our, our children, our children are inside with the <laughs> grandparents, so we didn't get a call. So okay, be fine. Okay, yeah, okay. It doesn't make the sound too bad. Wow. So let's let's fast forward a little bit because I'm yeah. I'm really curious about the creation of of Tough Love. So. How how long did you do the, the um did you work the, the PA and 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 Ronnie what were you doing at this, so you were still in school at this particular time Yes yes so I was in school um working on my degree and he you PA for you work well he worked his way up so how long yeah. did you PA Yeah I PA for at least two to three years Oh wow so so what I would do like when the first time I got that very first job. So uh, again, they denied me for crafty PA. So my, my, my information was passing around. So then I became office PA, like day playing, day playing office PA. And my mission was as soon as I go in there, every single person, I don't know what role I'm saying, hi, I'm getting your information. I'm talking to you. And I was just hungry, hungry. Whether you're, you're a camera operator, whether you're a sound person, whether you're a director, it doesn't matter. I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm connecting with you. And I literally just started building from there. Like as soon as that production was over, people were like, hey, we're on, we're on to the next one. Are you available? You did coordinator. You did so, PA so, for about a year and then coordinator. So so it's so it's always a blend. It's it's always a blend, right? Mm -hmm. it, you, you always get to the point. It's like, OK, I'm going to take I'm going to take uh uh, coordinating jobs, but if PA jobs are available, I'm, I'm going to take them. Reason being, when I'm on set, I'm absorbing all this information. Yes, I was able to do a, a production set in, in college, but the production set in college didn't have the professionals and they didn't have the high-end cameras, didn't have the, the high-end production management, didn't have the high-end talent. So I, I, were, I was then able to absorb all that information, 
getting my tough love set etiquette ready. So I go in to do court a coordination. So learning how to do call sheets, schedules, uh, just basic, you know, making sure that everything is organized within a production. And then at that time, I'm like, yo, some of these camera operators that are picking up cameras, they, they just started shooting maybe like three months ago. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go invest and buy a, a Canon 5D Mark III at the time. And then, what is it? <laughs> so, so I'm going to invest in a Canon 5D Mark III, my, my personal money. And now I was able to start shooting on projects, mm. not, not on the professional projects, but other PAs that have had visions and they had documentaries that they wanted to do. They couldn't, they didn't have enough money to hire the top DP or the top camera operator. But since I built with them, since I was able to laterally move with them, they're like, Oh, I trust you. Yeah. You got a good eye. Oh, you got the equipment. Come on. And so now I'm PA coordinator, DP camera operator. And slowly I'm just, production management, project, production manager, producer. So now after getting all these skill sets, getting all these contacts, now Ronnie taps me and say, hey, it's time to be creative. It's time to, it's time to do what you really want to do, your, what you went to film school for. And it wasn't a feature film at the time, but it was tough love. <laughs> okay. So where did the concept for it. tough love? <laughs> that's married people right there in the real. That's, that's all good um where, where did the top that concept from oh, for for tough love come from so we had a lot of peers even though we were together since we were really young mm -hmm. uh, we had lots of peers family young family around us that was just telling us how tough the dating pool was um, and we became, we had a little studio in the heart of Manhattan and people would come over and they would vent to us and we would give advice. And we were that, we were just that young couple that was always giving advice or always being a listening ear. And we were like, we need to start telling these stories of how tough it is out here for people to find love. And then even when find love for people to maintain love. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, and then I also had the platform already black love exists where I was highlighting different black couples. And I was like, okay, I've built an audience here. Um, I had about 10,000 followers at the time. And I was like, we can create content about black love and cater it to this audience. Um, and we know we have a built-in audience already and we can build it up that way. And then we were in New York City and for us, every day was just still exciting looking at New York City because it just has so much energy, great backdrops for film. Like all we thought about was different movies while we were walking through the streets and stuff. And we were like, this is a backdrop in itself. No, we don't have the money to have a, you know, a built set, but this is a set we're walking through daily. And so we can utilize this and just create our own thing. We can't wait for anyone else. Wow. So that that's very interesting that you should say that because when I was, I was reading something, and you talked about the first season of Tough Love filming in the one apartment, yes. but switching things around. Absolutely. And can you guys talk about that? Because oftentimes when filmmakers decide that they want to make a film or a, a series, they feel as though they need 10 different locations, which, which is money, which is time, which is travel. And in reality, you don't. So can you can you guys talk about that first season and, and some of the things that you did in order to get that first season done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We call it a journal budget <laughs> <laughs> because we had those journals in the freezer when it came time for lunchtime, we popped them in the oven, yeah. cast and crew was eating DiGiorno pizza. And the thing is, we you, there's just so many talented actors out there who don't have an opportunity. There's talented um, sound text. There's talented, um, 
music, uh, music supervisors. There's just so much talent out there and they don't have the opportunity to exercise that talent. And so you think like, oh, I need a big budget for this. But no, there are people who just would like to hop on board creatively and get more experience and exercise their talents. And so what we did was we found those people who were willing to work for free like we were doing. Um, and we had we were like, we can't provide lunch you know, order lunch, but we can pop these in the oven and make sure you have a cold water. Um, and so we found the talent that way. And then Caleb, as he said, he had invested in his own equipment. We didn't have much, but we had his own equipment to work with. And then there's also, he would rent some equipment if we didn't have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it the share grid? It was the site yeah. he would use. And those those were like a little lower cost than industry standard. Well, a lot lower cost than industry standard. And then we would we were like, we don't have interiors. We don't have money to rent an interior. But we do have this apartment. We didn't have much furniture in it. And so we could just move around. We would go to Target, buy picture frames, buy um, uh, towels and yeah. things of that nature. Take it back later. Keep the tax. Tuck the tax. <laughs> hang it up. Make it look like a different room. And it was it was raw. It was gritty. But it actually resonated with the audience a lot that way because they felt like I really know these people. I'm in the room with them. Um, I understand only having an air mattress to sleep on. <laughs> yeah, it, and just to piggyback what Ronnie was saying, just like the 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 raw you'll get it done mentality mm-hmm. still be true to the story tell the story and by any means necessary get this thing done i i coined it as also the filmmaker's mixtape <laughs> meaning at that time there was a lot of hip-hop rappers coming out they would make mixtapes you know it won't be fully finished it could still get a buzz where you could you could still do a million streams on it and the mixtape would be done when they're not doing their studio album so Artists like Lil Wayne, J. Cole, uh, Kendrick Lamar, they had mixtapes. So I'm so I'm like, if they if they're doing if they're doing raw, if they're just doing raw, the the the, the audio has doesn't have to be on the, the full mastered and mixed, but people can hear it and understand what's going on. I don't mind pulling, you know, this person that you know just only acted for about a year, but has talent, or I don't mind teaching somebody that has an interest in sound mixing and they're really good and putting them on set, giving them opportunity because they can't go to other places. And it's, it was all a place to learn. Mm-hmm. It's now looking back every season, I would go back. So season one, I, or excuse me, season two, I changed things from season one, season three, so on, so on. So I'm always learning from my past work where, where I personally feel even goes back to the the LA is if I was just waiting, waiting, waiting in LA to get the opportunity to work alongside Denzel, Will Smith, I would have just been waiting, not getting that hands-on experience, not getting that critical thinking and understanding of when you're on set, you want to get it done. If 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 a if a gaffer grip tells me, oh, I can't do it. I'm like, ah, you know, change your F-stop, throw some ND on there. Let's just get it rolling. They're like, oh, he knows. So we have to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so at the, at the end of the day, I am a, I'm a full advocate of whatever resources that you have at your fingertips, utilize that to create your vision. The audience came, they, they enjoyed the content and that's what kind of got us up every day to keep, create more and more content. Yeah, and that's amazing. Um, when, I, when I talk to young filmmakers, and sometimes the question will be, well, what type of equipment do I use? What type of camera do I use? I said, the one that you have. <laughs> right. Because as, as you guys just so eloquently pointed out, you can make it work. What, what, what do they say in right? Make it do what it do. Right. You, you, you have to make it work. And as far as you, when you were talking about the, uh, the set for the first season, and having the air matches and having this. Now, and I've been married for a very long time. Me and my wife, we've been together for 42 years. I've been married, we've been married for 35. Wow. And I remember that first apartment didn't have a lot, right? but it had us, it had us. Mm-hmm. So people, when, when you, the beauty of a story and the thing that I liked about Tough Love is it was truthful. 
so people resonated with that truth. You know, mm -hmm. when you're seeing that one picture on the wall and you look in the refrigerator and you may see some ramen noodles, you know, mm -hmm. some bottled water, some Kool-Aid in the cabinet. That's usually how it is when you first start out as a married couple or, or as a couple and you're building together. And then you build on season two and then you build on season three. And, you know, as in a relationship, things get better as you build together. And I, and I want to ask you guys a question because, um, again, I was listening to an interview you guys did talking about the workflow on the set. And but before I ask that, are would, would the two of you categorize yourselves as alpha personalities? Yes. <laughs> I think she likes to be that. Well, we both are alpha. Oh, my goodness. Are you going to say you're not an alpha? <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't I don't like to. You I don't, don't want to be categorized. I don't like to be categorized because I'm. A, I, I like to be collective. I'm. A, I'm a collective okay. guy, right? I. I don't mind facilitating. <laughs> I don't mind facilitating, but I feel it's strength in numbers rather than just being the alpha and you know dictating. So yeah. the reason the reason I ask you guys that is now is that something that you learned. Because listening to an interview, uh, I remember hearing that when you guys would be on set, if there was a difference of opinion, it would be kind of, you know, you guys would go at it in front of the cast and the crew until you kind of learned how to say, okay, well, let's take that to the side. And that's the reason I was asking, are, are the two of you alpha personalities? Um, so, so how did you guys learn how to navigate that particular thing when Ronnie, you have a, a particular idea and how you know you want things to go. And Caleb, you're saying, Well, I see that, but I <laughs> wanted so so how did you guys kind of navigate that and, and come to a place where you were more collaborative and facilitators? I think that um just working together more and more, we were learning each other's strengths, learning where to trust each other on. Um, okay, I know he owns that space. I'm going to own this space over here. So that was just with time and experience. I think at the beginning, we were still learning so much, still figuring it out. And so we both thought our idea or our way may work better. But as we learn how, how everything really, how we were able to make so much progress, we were like, okay, we know how to delegate um, and so we would take on our own spaces and then also um, just our, our productions grew, right? So it grew. So we didn't have much time to be sitting there arguing back and forth. Um, we were like, okay, I'm going to have to just learn to trust that he has it online. What would you say? Yeah. <laughs> By one of the early things that we've learned is pull each other to the side. Mm-hmm. Because disagreements are going to happen, you know, between disagreements happen between the actors, disagreements happen between crew, mm -hmm. disagreements happen between us. So I know that they they're going to happen, and when they do happen, it's don't do it out in the open. Mm -hmm. Let's let's find a, a very discreet place, quiet place, and let's talk it out. Mm -hmm. Let's not shout it out. Let's talk it out. Yes, let's consider that we can't be talking about this forever and we got to come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. But I think that really kind of takes a spotlight, takes a spotlight off of us. I think somebody, did somebody, it was just off, it's a little small tangent. Somebody noticed that <laughs> when there isn't an audience for us, we kind of, things kind of dissolve really quick. Mm. That wasn't us. Yeah, it's like somebody's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to just walk away. <laughs> And then things escalate. So when when I feel that when we're in a quiet place, mm. we're able to resolve things a lot quicker. And therapy, like we, me and Ronnie, we do couples therapy mm -hmm. just in our in our everyday life. Not only as uh, business partners, creative partners, parents, husband, wife, we 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 tried our best to listen to one another. Mm -hmm. We try our best to know that. Okay, that person is 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 have that certain emotion right now. Let's let them be. Let's not control certain situations. Mm -hmm. So we're all culminating all that in a high stress environment, which is set and also a creative environment. 
is making it happen. We we try our best to just get all these things, all these experiences that we've learned, all these systems, and kind of fumble through which one, which one. Is, okay, we're gonna do that one. Let's go to the side. Let's speak quietly. Let's settle. Let's not be snappy. Let's not be controlling. And mm-hmm. and then and compromise. compromise. Compromise is huge. So uh, I'll say it sometimes. I let you make the decision on the last one. You got to give me something. <laughs> and so we we definitely learn to compromise. Well, you know what? That's that's part of being partners and growing. Mm-hmm. But what it, what it, well, you know what it also shows? It shows the people on set who may have aspirations of doing their own thing how to how to you know do conflict resolution. Yes. You know, and sometimes you have to pick that battle. And is this the battle worth fighting at the moment or do I just say okay, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to acquiesce and and let him or her have that because again, at the end of the day it's all about the production. Does yeah. it serve the production? Right. And if it doesn't serve the production, then it's not serving anyone. So that that's that's great. Um because I, I would guess being a married couple and working together constantly, that has a, a, a set of challenges all its own because you're at work, but then you're going home too. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And then there was one one morning. It was just we do again, we've progressed so much and we do we get along so much better now. But there was one morning on um when we were filming our last uh second season of, our first season of Tough Love Atlanta last year and we did have like an intense morning where we just couldn't couldn't come to an agreement and uh our brother who we work with, he was like, "You guys need to figure this out quick." Um, he's a production manager on on set with us, and he was like, "You need to figure it out quick. You got you have a whole set of people waiting on you. Like you need to resolve this." And we were like, "You're right." It, he had to just snap us back to reality. Whatever this little petty thing we can't figure out, we have to figure it out because we have a whole team literally waiting on us. You know what I mean? So we can't let you know our own issues affect that. Yeah. Yeah, and we're also very spiritual people. We we trust and love in God, and we definitely know that the devil has an agenda. Mm-hmm. And the devil, he he's he, he either the devil or his little demons <laughs> fly around, and they they always find holes and they and they, and they pick holes, especially in the great times, especially when, it, mm-hmm. when things when are things going are up, going amazing. So, oh my goodness! So so sometimes it's a prayer. It's it's you know tapping into that yes. spiritual realm, yes, yes. no n- seeing how the devil wants to sabotage the gifts that God is putting right in front of you, and like if if it's it's not clear, you have to that you have to gain clarity, and it's like oh it's it's not even me and you, it's the devil, and he's working, he's 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 found the way in, he's found the weaknesses, and he's and he's working on it, so let's let's let's. Pray this off. Let's think about all these amazing gifts that God has given us, and let's focus on those more because the devil, the devil, is not going to win this one. So and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right because after the incident with Mr. Smith and Mr. Rock, Denzel yeah. pulled him to the side and told him, mm-hmm. "The devil comes at you when you're at your peak." Yes, mm. yes. Because when you're at your lowest, he's like, "Ain't nothing there to see." But when you're at your pinnacle. Mm. Now's now's the time to to attack. And yeah. sometimes when you get on the other side of that and you do pray and you do say, you know what, peace be still, we're going to take a moment. And then you look back on it, you're saying to yourself, I don't even know where that started. Right. I don't even know what I don't even where did that come from? And you're looking at each other like, what the heck? We, that's something we never get into anything about, but but because those forces see where the two of you were going and they're like oh 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 no see no 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 that that road is a little too smooth for ronnie and kaylee so we gotta we gotta do something about that but you know that's 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 amazing that you guys are are spiritually grounded i'm I'm just loving this conversation and i haven't even gotten half my questions (laughs) (laughs) so but i'm not going to keep you guys too long so you, you you do tough love Season one and season two. 
of New York. And my wife wanted me to ask you because she said it was so good and then it just stopped. So what, what ended up happening? Did you guys plan on shooting a season three and decided to go into another direction? The, our New York, our first yes, series? Yes, New York, yes. Uh, we did three seasons of that one. Oh, oh yeah. Did we, did <laughs> yeah. We, we, we saw them all. Well, maybe it was season four she was talking about. Maybe it was so, season four, yeah. So the, the second season, that was the season that was Daytime Emmy nominated. Oh. And and we uh, we were we were almost tapped out. Mm -hmm. but, so we had to kind of like, you know, after every season, there's a demand. People like everybody, crew, talent, say, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And then for us, we have to find our resources. Our our, our very first season was, was independently funded. Mm -hmm. And then we did a GoFundMe for season two. And then at the end of season two, we linked with Black and Sexy TV. Mm -hmm. And we started selling our bonus episode. Mm -hmm. So we we had a little bit of money to do season three. So we're like, okay, we got it. We got a daytime Emmy. We didn't win it, but let's do a season three to come back, you know, to, to, to get that trophy. That's what we wanted. And we we did season three. It was amazing. I, I really loved it. I'm, I'm a big fan of being in the field, being there with the actors, the process. Ronnie, she sometimes mm -hmm. is half and half with set life. Well, I enjoy it. I'm just, I'm like, where's the money? We need the money. <laughs> when you get to a, a, a fourth season, the demands get higher mm -hmm. from the cast and the crew. You know, everyone's like, we need more money, which is understandable. And so right. um, it's tougher. You know, you can't pull out the DiGiorno when you're at a season four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so, no more DiGiorno. And then also, which is a big blessing, a lot of our talent started taking off and doing other projects. Um, we just came from lunch with one of our talent who on a lead on the Tyler Perry show, Sisters. And so, um, yes. and, yeah, and we had a couple of other talent that have booked Tyler, have their own Tyler Perry shows and things of that nature now. And so that's a huge blessing. That is why they did it. And that's a, a that's a big prayer of ours is that our talent go on to do bigger, you know, projects. And so with that, it gets harder to schedule and get the cast together. They're doing other things. And so that's when we started creating spinoffs um, with new talent, more upcoming talent, emerging talent, I should say. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the Emmy nomination because that's major. From where you guys started and in a few short years, you get an Emmy nomination. What did that feel like? Was it a few short years or it was just two? It was, it was, <laughs> it was just it, two it was, years and it was, it felt unreal. It, yeah. it felt absolutely unreal. I remember um, one of my music, our music supervisor, who's our close friend, she texted me and was like, do they have the right tough love? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, we just kind of just threw it out there. Like, oh, let's see what happens. Yeah. And we're going to apply. We're going to apply. And they were announcing. And I was like, I'm just going to scroll. In this industry, it's sad, but you get used to rejection, right? You just let it roll off. You, you actually kind of expect the no. You pray for the yeses, but you expect the noes. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna look at this. Didn't think, did not think we were getting nominated. I said the prayer, but still didn't expect it. And I saw our name, and I was working at an office at that time, a job that I absolutely hated, and I was mm. like screaming. And my coworkers who also hated the job, they were screaming for me. <laughs> and then I, he was on set at the time, and so he couldn't scream with me, <laughs> but he texted me. Pictures, y'all literally sent me pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and then I called my grandmother. She was crying. So it was it was just a huge, huge moment for us. And we uh it was like a celebration for like six months. Oh, it, it was a, it was a marathon. It, it was it was definitely a journey. We we let all the cast members know we had a, oh, they didn't even know we had submitted yeah, for it. And yeah. So oh. it, when we text them, are you sitting down? They were, <laughs> they were like, what? They were in total <laughs> shock. Yeah, we, we we set up a photo shoot, video shoot, went live with the fans, um, did a club appearance. Because <laughs> people, did, people didn't, people, a lot of people didn't get it either. Like, you know, some people were like, oh, you guys are Oscar nominated. <laughs> oh, 
my city of my city, my hometown city of Carson. They're like, oh, they Grammy, award. Grammy award nominated. Yeah, I'm like, wow. People just didn't. They knew it had weight, but they didn't know how to properly put it out into the world. So yeah, we're 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 getting interviews. ABC we, Seven in New York. The whole cast flew out here for the award show. Most of us were broke again, and so we were penny pinching at the awards, getting food yep. and stuff like that. Uh, tagging on <laughs> one of her good friends at the time that had an interest in PR and was like, "Hey, you can be our PR. Or you could be on the step and repeat with us. You can, you know, hand them the." She was learning. We were learning, and. and <laughs> You know, now she's have she has a a, a solid PR firm. Mm -hmm. So we, that's one of those you know lateral moving um, film filmmakers mixtape because <laughs> again we didn't know how to um, uh, do press properly. Well, the academy said, "Send us your publicist information. Who's going to be walking you down the carpet?" We're like, "Publicist, <laughs> marketing ourselves. What are you thinking?" So that was that was a great time to tap in her friend. <laughs> yeah. And then and then my whole family. So we were living in New York, but my whole family's from LA. So my mom, dad, brother, everybody walked the carpet walked, with us. Walked the carpet <laughs> with us. It was just an amazing moment. And it really, really helped us, uh, of course, with our career and getting the show licensed and picked up from different networks. Yes. Wow. So I know I, I've been doing this for quite some time. And yes, this is a business business of no. And I know for the two of you, there have been some days when you were looking at each other like, why are we doing this? <laughs> why? And you know, you're looking at the, the, the checking account and it's not looking the way you would want it to. And you know, more money's going out the door than is coming in the door. And you know, some of them credit card statements are getting a little out of control. <laughs> and, and then you, I've been there and been, I, I used to do a, a, a major film festival in Philadelphia. I did it for six mm. years and it got to the point where I, I just said, I, I just can't, I just can't do it anymore because we never had a sponsor. So it was mm. all hustle, you know, hustle, mm. grind, credit cards, things like that. Yeah. And it was amazing. But I was like, you know what? I just, I just can't, you know, but now right. everyone's like, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. Right. And my yeah. thing is like, write a check, write a check, write a check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> write a check. Yeah. You know, but think things are things are you know we're in talks now. But but I I said it all to say to ask you this: having all of that happen, and then this happens, that that was validation. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That that's what we needed. I mean, we we have each other to when I'm feeling low like that, like why are we doing this? He gives me the push and vice versa. So that's always helpful. Our audience on YouTube, building that audience and seeing people say, give us more, that was helpful. But that nomination is what made people take us serious. We had family members that had never watched the show and said, wait, what is this you nominated for? <laughs> and they turned it on. We have friends that did that. Like that is what made, even still to this day, we're like, oh, we had a, a series on YouTube and people are like, oh, and it got nominated for an Emmy. What? It just changes the conversation. And so, no, we don't want to live off of validation from other people, but that those moments is, it does help along the journey. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, another stripe <laughs> the the fact that you, we we have the drive that's a stripe the the fact that we have an audience like you said people wanting to see more that's a stripe having the the emmy nom and that notoriety another stripe so i like just collecting the stripes and knowing that i could lose two but I could still run off, run off fumes on the other on the other stripes because I there's been so many blessings that's been in our life. Season one, me and Ronnie was boyfriend, girlfriend. Season two, me and Ronnie were fiance engaged. engaged. Season three, we were husband and wife. Tough Love LA, we had one child. Tough Love Atlanta, we still have one child and one, one in, in the, the oven. One in the yeah. oven. So <laughs> So it, it's 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 a, it's this blueprint, and it's also the blueprint of our lives. So we have to continue creating, so that these stripes continue to build, and also it just defines our journey. And and I'm I'm team I'm team Mister Independent. Ownership. 
ownership, ownership, ownership. Ronnie is team both. Both. I believe, I believe in both, but the validation of ownership that keeps me going. Mm -hmm. It's like at the end of the day, I could pull this back, have it in my possession, and hold on to it, hand it down to my kids, uh, license it, make some type of product program coin the phrase but it's ours where sometimes studios come in and they take everything and they give us a fee which is good but you know i, I really like the i really like the ownership of it these were our, these were our babies before our real children so i like nurturing them wow and that's great and just really quickly on the emmy nomination that stripe it's validation from other people, but in my humble opinion, that shows that you can do the work. Mm. Because sometimes people need to see the proof that you can do the work. They're like, yeah. well, they said they could. But see, when they read the both, when they read Ronnie Davis and Caleb Davis, and it has nominated for a daytime Emmy, that is, for lack of a better word, street credit. <laughs> yeah. you, cannot, you cannot take that away because you can say anything else you want but at the end of the day that's on our resume yeah how do we do that we earned that yeah you know starting off in that one apartment switching pictures around in the air mattress you know yeah. go for me so so that that that's a beautiful thing and you know i i just want people that are starting out wanting to do this to understand that there is a path but let's talk about uh, one of, you, you know, someone that you guys mentioned quite a bit, Issa Rae, and, and the, 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 the role that she played more than likely unknowingly and mm -hmm. where you guys are right now with the creation of Tough Love New York, Tough Love Los Angeles, Tough Love Atlanta, which is bonkers. We loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, you know, Pillow Talk. So, what what role did she play in, in you guys saying, hey, you know what? We 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 want to do something, so we're going to do it. Man, just being the blueprint. She she not many people were doing it. Um, she was one of the first, especially in our space as as black people and black creators. And she we saw her use YouTube to build an audience and go on to get on one of the biggest networks in television. And we and that was the motivation we needed to say, we can do this too. We can create our own and, and continue to grow and use our own platform and community to build. Yes, yep, absolutely. And we early on growth hacking, we were on her Instagram, YouTube channel, tapping in with her, commenting to her followers, like, hey, if you like content like Issa, Issa Rae's, come over, to, come over to Tough Love and check it out. And people did. People would say, oh, I found out about y'all because y'all reached out to us when we on the Issa Rae page. So it, it was a market uh, that that was very like-minded. Like we saw the interest. Um, her her grind, her, her as actually Ooh, being talent and creator, mm -hmm. we, we love watching it. Although we're just the creators, we're not the actual talent on camera. We we still admire it. We sometimes we try to toy like, hey, should we actually you know star or play in in uh, the series? But no, we always we always joke about <laughs> it. We don't do it. But yeah. we definitely love the full package of Issa, and, and, and she too. definitely gave us a spark. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you you said something very interesting. Growth hacking. Can you? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because oftentimes, again, going back to marketing, because let's get into the business of this a little bit. Marketing, um, you know, product, oh gosh, print advertising, things like that. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes people do not use something that is right in front of them. Now, would you say that's because they don't know that they actually can? Because some people might look at that and say, well, wh why are you, why are you on her page talking about your stuff? So is there a way to do that without stepping on toes? Yeah. Yes. So we did do that early on and, and we did 
come off as spammers. So <laughs> and, and and this and this was the early days. So yeah. so th that. yeah, th think of early Instagram was more like a Reddit where you know people spam, but they didn't spam as much. Mm -hmm. So and we were we were relentless. We we didn't mind. Mm -hmm. We didn't mind going to people like in these markets in these other series we didn't mind connecting with those those people mm -hmm. we didn't mind cross promotion mm -hmm. we didn't mind uh, if if there is somebody that's that has an upcoming radio platform let's do more cross promotion we didn't mind let you know you we see that people are commenting on your page let's join the conversation we, that he's talking about us being annoying to other people. No, okay. But it is to be strategic it, about it. It's it's a it's a strategy. It's a strategy, but you still have to be relentless mm -hmm. because just think about people marketing that people pay millions of dollars for. They they're relentless. They have a billboard on the freeway as you're driving. You have no choice but to see that. Some people might see your billboard and be like, oh, I hate seeing it, but they have to see it. And there there might be another thousand other people like, oh, that's a reminder that I need to go watch that movie or I need to go buy that product. So marketing has to be relentless, whether you pay for it or you do it for free. And then also you I think that you have to kind of be proud of the work you do. Um, and so we were proud of our work and we knew that if much of our audience saw it, that they would also enjoy the work. So we would, we, we didn't always leave comments, but we would go follow them. And then we knew that if we popped up in there as new followers, they had no choice but to look and say, who is this following me? And then they would see our content and say, oh, it's another black web series. And so you just have to be strategic. Um, I would say not to, yes, be relentless, but don't get blocked on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you you get blocked. <laughs> <laughs> get blocked. No, just because just because you're blocked doesn't mean the whole world blocked you. Right? <laughs> that means that that avenue didn't work. And you, I think early on, our very first season, we would after we air on YouTube. This was before. This was before like Zoom and everything. It was Skype at the time. We would Skype. All like all of our fans, we'll have them lined up, do individual Skypes. And the last question, or even the first question, sometimes we'll ask them, How did you hear about us? And it's like, Oh, y'all reached out, y'all reached out to us to come watch. <laughs> so if people want that invitation, let's provide more invitations. Mm -hmm. And let's not just depend on people just aha, just finding you, but actually meet them either halfway or meet them right at their doorstep. Okay. Thomas Mason. Thomas. Yes. Thomas. Writer Thomas. He was one of the first on the, on the Skype. Yeah. He, he said, I'm glad you guys never blocked me. Is <laughs> yeah. uh, he on right now? Yeah. He comes oh. earlier. He said, I remember uh, when you guys got the uh, the Emmy nominations. He said, I remember shouting when I read that so well deserved love and presents to you two always. So, Aww. okay. So this is, this is one of your, of your, so Tom started, he started off as a viewer and he was he was always in the comments. He was relentless in his comments. And so we had started having an uh, ongoing joke on set when we would like try to do some little tricks with different items or moving the pictures around. And we would say, oh, nobody's going to notice that. And then we would always say, Ryder Thomas is going to notice. <laughs> <laughs> because his name online was Ryder Thomas and he was always in the comments. We knew he watched the show repeatedly and he just had it down to a science so our we were like tom is gonna notice tom is gonna notice and so he he followed us along throughout the whole season of tough love new york all three seasons and we he started reaching out to me as a writer and then we were, i looked at he sent me his scripts they were incredible he's an incredible writer and so for tough love atlanta he joined as a los, tough angeles. Love, los angeles and mm -hmm. atlanta he joined our writing staff. Yeah. And so he's now a writer for it. Wow. Yes. So that, that is the power of relationship building, but it's also the power of asking. Yes. Because you ain't getting nothing if you don't ask for it. Right. Close mouths don't get fed. They yep. sure they, they sure don't. That that is absolutely amazing. So Thomas, we're gonna to have to have a conversation. We're gonna to have to, and you know what? That 
that that just let me write this down before I forget it. I would <laughs> love to have your writers and you guys come back on. Yeah. Because I would love to know the process because I understand, Ronnie, you wrote 20 episodes. Yeah. You, so yes. you 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 wrote you wrote, wrote basically the first two seasons. Three. The first three seasons. The first three seasons. Yeah, first three seasons of Tough Love, and then the first season of Pillow Talk. Wow. And then after that, we we were like, once we developed our deal with Clio TV, we were like, let's build a writing team. So because yeah. we had to do a quicker turnaround. Okay. Okay. So how many writers do you actually have on your team now? It's a total of ten. Oh. Oh. oh wow. <laughs> yes. So yeah. so how does that work? So are are they your employees or are they basically contracted? Contracted. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And some and some writers that we do have, they write movies for the, on networks, um, Bounce TV, Christmas movies. Uh, writer Thomas has some of his own series and content that he he creates. We have other creators that work in marketing departments, and you know this is a this is time for them to express their creative muscle mm -hmm. so it, it's one of the things we we round up the troops and whoever's available and just ready to create we we pull them together and contract them out yeah wow so going back to the beginning we all have a vision of where we would like to be and where we would like to go did the two of you when you when you set out to do what you've what you've done did you see it ending up being here? What what was the vision where you guys said, okay, you know what? We saw Issa do it. We're very talented. And that's not being, you know, arrogant. That's just telling the truth. Where did you guys see this going? I think that what we saw was um, we did not see an Emmy nomination coming. We saw, oh, we're going to create a season or two and then we'll just get go straight into a network deal <laughs> and go full development process. Um, but again, you know, you, you tell God your plans and he laughs. Right. And so we didn't know we would end up licensing the actual content that we created and that that would end up directly on television and even, you know, handling that deal and everything, it was totally different for us. And it's not something you can Google and figure it out. So it's just lots of learning as we went. Um, and so, no, we didn't have this vision, but we are very thankful and blessed for where we are. And there's still so much further, so much more we want to do. Yeah. So talk about that really quickly, because we're, we're about to wrap this up, because, again, you know, I don't want to keep you guys all night. I have so many more questions, but we can we can have a part two. Well, we're, yeah, we, yeah we're, we're happy, happy to come, come back. back. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely coming back. Please. Y'all coming back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so this this will be my last question. Um, the licensing portion. Mm -hmm. How how did that happen? Because, again, um, if, if there's someone out there saying to themselves, I want to do what, what Ronnie and Caleb did. And let's say they get to that point. What was the licensing process like? Yeah, the licensing was literally cold emails. It, it was going to the doorsteps of the people that are part of the development and acquisition departments at these networks. And it was Ooh. it was two processes. One was we don't want to just say sit behind your computer it's also getting out there with the people so our our first licensing deal was for the the friend i was talking about that was our publicist um she also she was at an event and she met some of the heads over at tv one and they told her they were starting a new network called cleo tv a sister network and she's told them about the show we got on the phone and we started working out the deal um, and it was just, it was totally different for us. It was totally new for us and it was totally new for them as well. They had never licensed the web series before they licensed multiple at that time, but this was their first time doing this. And so it was just, it was a learning lesson for everyone involved. They had a, a little older way of doing things. They were a little older and, 
and they were like, who are these? Some of the people on the team were like, who are these new people coming off of YouTube? What is going on? Oh, so yeah. it was lots of back and forth and figuring it out. And it was, oh, it was one of the toughest things we've ever done. Yeah. Um, For me, it was, it was like another year of, of film school. That <laughs> it, it's nothing, nothing could have ever prepared me for that. And for that month or two, just getting everything dialed in and you know ready to be delivered, it was a process. And mm -hmm. and I'm not just talking with like the work itself. I'm talking about the people, um, the different departments you have to go through. Mm -hmm. So that was just br brand new for mm -hmm. us, mm -hmm. getting things up to you know spec and quality and reaching out to friends in the industry for their assistance. Like mm -hmm. it was. It was very, very tough, but once we, we got once we got over it, it was worth it, and we were able to again whatever whatever that we did wrong the first time, oh. the next time it was to come to license, we did better. It was so much the, or, the organization was really good at first. It was even better, and even with other other networks, um, it was it was so much smoother because we had learned. We went through the tough next network talk. Um, T plus and that was a cold email and they said oh yes we want it um and even now we have networks that are waiting on us to create content so we can throw it on there um and so it is again it's getting out there talking to people and it's also working that computer um putting yourself out there being relentless as he said that's how we were able to do it okay i'm going to save this question for the next one because <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this one for the next one. <laughs> okay. We we definitely coming back. Yes, y'all coming back. Longer too, but we do we have to get our baby. Oh <laughs> I wish like that. I want to talk to you all night long. So <laughs> we do we, that again? we do want to talk. We love talking. So we yeah, are Okay, so we we're two peas in the pie because I love I love talking as well. So where can people find you guys? So they can find us on youtube.com, type in Tough Love Series, all of three seasons of New York, one season of Los Angeles, one season of Pillow Atlanta, Talk. and Pillow Talk is on there. We have, you can find Ronnie Black Love Exists on Instagram, join the Everything Black Love, and then you can find me, my personal Instagram, Caleb Davis Films on IG and my personal Instagram is Mrs. Ronnie Davis, MRS Ronnie Davis. And type it in right because if you just type in Ronnie Davis, all these Ronnie Davises start popping yeah. up. And I'm like, I'm like, that ain't her. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, that ain't that ain't that ain't her. Where the good one? I'm like, oh I typed it wrong. I gotta, <laughs> gotta type it, gotta type it right. It was all these crazy Ronnie's coming. I'm like, no, that is not Caleb's oh. wife. <laughs> but Guys, this has been absolutely amazing, and you definitely have to come back. Um, I love doing these podcasts because I learn so much, and it's been a master class just listening to the two of you and the journey that you've been on. And it's just so refreshing because you guys are doing it together, yeah. which is something that you do not see often in this business. You don't happy. see people together, people happy and people in love, which is, which is, you know, I'm a romantic in my old age. It is what it is. But, um, but again, thank you guys so much for um, joining us on the podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Help me build these numbers because my thing is I want to bring you people like this because we love talking about the industry, but more importantly, I love talking to my people about this industry because oftentimes you don't see us being out in the forefront and being highlighted as people that are really doing the damn thing. And here I am talking to two daytime Emmy nominated content creators. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on a conversation with Thomas Mason. We are definitely going to have to hook up. And as I always like to say at the end of my show, love this like a hobby, but above all else, treat this like a business. You know, that note, yeah. everyone, have an absolutely amazing, amazing day. Peace out. Thank, Thank you, Floyd. Thanks for Floyd, having so us. Welcome. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Take care.